Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. So a few weeks ago, Freya's school called me. She had a cut on her hand, and it had been healing for a few days at least, but on this day, she just couldn't stop picking at it. They went through a few band-aids, they tried distraction, and they gave her a bag of ice, but nothing could seem to stop her from messing with it. Even she herself said that she just couldn't stop. So the school finally called me, and they asked me if I had any suggestions. And for those of you whose children have PWS, Prader-Willi syndrome, and who are aware of the potential anxiety and skin picking issues, I'm sure that you can relate and understand the sinking feeling that overcame me as the woman from the school started talking about her skin picking. I couldn't think of anything to say that she could do to help, so I just told her that I would be there in 10 minutes. For those of you who listen to this podcast and see me on social media, you probably know that my life has changed with the start of the school year, because for the first time in 14 years, I don't have a child at home to teach or to take care of. I'm finally able to devote my time to becoming, learning how to become, hopefully, a paid author. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I'm trying. So I'm taking this school year to make a go of it, and if I can't figure out how to generate an income as a writer, then I will be looking for a different gig. That has been my plan. The day after the school called about Freya picking her hand, they called again because she had unintentionally given herself a minor injury, and I'm not going to go into the details. They just needed to let me know. She was fine. No big deal. But it really got me thinking, am I, am I going to be able to get a job? I mean, these were minor incidents, but possibly they're just a sample of potentially what could happen in the future. When the school called me about her skin picking, I went straight there and I checked on her. I was afraid that when I got there, Freya would just be kind of balled up in this anxiety-fueled fit and I would have to that I would have to talk her out of. She doesn't have she hasn't she doesn't really express a lot of anxiety thus far, but that's always a potential with this disorder. So, when I got there, I walked into into the office and Freya was standing there with a smile on her face and a bag of ice in her hand. And the first thing she said was, Hi, Mama, as innocent as ever. So I gave her some rescue remedy, which for those of you don't, that don't know what rescue remedy is, it's a little tincture, it's a flower essence. Check it out. You can buy it at the 
store. If you have a health food store, you can get it online, but it's a very safe anti-anxiety. I don't even think you can't even call it an herbal tincture because it's a flower essence, which is kind of like a homeopathic remedy. I've used it numerous times. I use it with Freya. It's totally fine. But again, I'm not allowed to make that recommendation. If you're interested, check out Rescue Remedy. Back to the story. So I walked in the office. There's Freya. She seems totally fine. But I gave her some rescue remedy and I stayed with her for a few minutes and then I left her in the very capable hands of the resource teacher. And then I went and I spent the next three hours at the coffee shop just down the street so that I could be there in a moment's notice if she needed me. I was definitely a little shaken up by that Uh, because like I said, she hasn't expressed too much anxiety thus far, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have it or that it's not going to become an issue. Being a parent of a child with special needs means that you are on call all the time. Some would argue that as a parent in general, we are on call all the time, and I would agree to a point. However, there are far more people in my life whom I trust with the care of my typically developing daughters than I do with Freya. And that's not because these people are ill-intentioned or anything like that, or that they're ignorant or, or less loving. It's nothing like that. But it's because there's just no way to impart all of the little pieces of information and advice and wisdom that I've read and heard over the years. There's no one else in my life besides my husband, whom I called on the way to school, that understood just what was so upsetting about that phone call. Few people would have known to treat the anxiety and not the wound. So this realization that finding and keeping a job may be more difficult than I had imagined previously inspired me to create a poll on some of the social media sites I'm on. One of them uh, being the Walking with Freya Facebook group. If you're not on that group, check it out. I mean, you can't check it out till I have to accept you. Not in any kind of existential way. I accept you all, (laughs) but... Um, You have to have my approval to join the group, and that's just to make sure that it's, uh, you know, people that belong there. Anyway, um, so I created this poll. Some of you maybe even saw it and even responded, and I definitely appreciate that. I love the feedback and the back and forth. And the question was, have you had to leave a job or not take one to care for your child with special needs? Now, when I put the question out there, I expected a lot of yeses. But I don't think I expected to get as many as I did. If I tallied up the results, it would be about one one or two no's and like 50 responses that did not have to leave a job. So that's a lot of people that did have to leave a job, especially if you increase the numbers uh, exponentially or just keeping the same ratio. I'm a, you know, I got a liberal arts degree. I'm a writer. I don't do <laughs> do numbers so well, but you get the point. It was, a, it was the majority, the vast majority, almost everyone said they had to leave a job or not take one to care for their child. It was a very unofficial poll, granted, but it was still, you know, it was alarming. Those are alarming numbers. Those are frustrating and disturbing numbers. Some of you said that you had to leave the military. 
Some had to leave careers they had held for years. Some had to drop out of college, out of grad school. Some were trying to create businesses at home. And, uh, and one person pointed out that, no, she hadn't left a job because financially she didn't have a choice. So there are a number of reasons why parents of children with special needs can't work or have a hard time getting a job. I mean, just the therapy appointments and doctor appointments alone. Some kids have numerous appointments every week and to be able to get them to and from their appointments, there probably are not too many jobs that are lenient enough with the schedule to, to make that happen. And you know, where, where we live, there is amazingly a school specifically for children with special needs. And I say it's amazing because we're a rural community and I couldn't even get a pediatric physical therapist when Freya was a baby because we just didn't have one. Well, we had one briefly, but then she moved. And so limited resources up here where we live, but we do have this, this amazing school. But I just wonder how many other schools or how many other communities have schools that are even capable of caring for some of these children. I imagine that is a huge factor for a lot of people that these, you know, you can't just send your kid to school because they can't care for your child. They can't take care of your child. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the people. They don't have the understanding. And so that's not an option. So if you can't send them to school, well, what's another way you can get a break? Babysitters, respite workers. If you can find a good one, one that you trust to care for your child. I mean, babysitters, that's quite a, quite a bit more of a long shot than respite workers, because at least respite workers, I believe, have to go through certain training or screening. I, I don't know. We haven't done the respite worker thing. So, um, but I just would hope that they would have to go through a certain screening, but even then you can't be guaranteed one that is going to be a good fit for your family. So, finding babysitters and finding respite workers. And even if you do find one, can you hold on to them? Will they, will they stick around long enough? Can you pay them? Do you get respite hours from your local regional center or, or another place, or do you have to pay out of pocket? Someone said that the cost of daycare for a severely disabled child was more than she could make at any job that she could get. So that leaves us being at home as the caretakers because nobody can care for our child the way we can. And what about insurance? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the other end of the damn scale? Suppose you do have care for your child. Suppose your child can go to school. Suppose you do find a good respite worker. Suppose you find a job that is flexible enough to work with your schedule and is okay with you bailing from work at a moment's notice because your child needs you or taking numerous days off to get your child to appointments. But then how many of you have to consider the amount of money that you're making and how that affects the insurance your child has because 
let's face it, all those therapies and doctor appointments and prescriptions are incredibly expensive. Most people I know, probably every person I know, would not be able to pay for that out of pocket. I mean, I've been told that the growth hormone shots alone are like 30 or 40 grand a year. But that's me. That's me throwing numbers out there again. And I don't want to be held accountable for those. I'm not claiming anything. That's, that's uh, my disclaimer. I'm not claiming any of this as hard facts. That's just what I've been told. And uh, that's a lot of money. And those are just the shots that doesn't count the therapies and the doctors, the specialists, the glasses. So, okay, there are are two points here, I think. Financial strain and caregiver burden. And these two intertwine, of course, because if you can't afford to get some extra help, then you can't ever, and you can't get a break, then you're going to get totally worn down and burned out. And I realize that my voice is uh, sounding a little burned out right now, but it's midnight. It's uh, midnight, but I'm set to get this episode to you guys in the morning because it's important to me. So anyway, so financial strain and caregiver burden. So these are two incredibly common issues and important topics, and I will certainly be talking about both of them throughout the life of this podcast. They both deserve their own episodes. I have put some feelers out there um, in different communities to talk about people, to talk with certain people about these issues. I didn't have time to dig too much further before publishing this. So for now, as it stands, I just want you all to know that you are not alone. Parenting and caring for a child with special needs can sometimes, if not often, or all the time, for some, feel like a tremendous burden. And that doesn't mean that we don't love our children. And it doesn't mean that we don't want them around. It just means that sometimes we can feel overwhelmed. And maybe for some of you, it does feel too much. And maybe... The burden is so great, you wish you could go back in time and change things. And if that's how you feel, I'm not here to judge. I I don't want to wrap this all up into some neat little bow and say, well, you know, God or creator, the universe doesn't give you what you can't handle because (laughs) there's a lot of people in the world handed shit that they can't handle. This is a place of non-judgment. I just want to be here and create a space where we can talk about these issues and hopefully find help and solutions where they are needed and to see each other and just be a community. So, I'm going to dig into these issues deeper in other episodes, but for now... May I suggest that you take a moment to do something for yourself. You may not be able to go out dancing or go see your favorite band, 
but you can turn on the radio or maybe you have their CD and you can dance in the kitchen. Maybe your kid can dance with you or they can watch you and laugh at all your silly moves. Maybe you can't go for a long hike in the woods, but can you sit in your backyard or on your porch or your balcony and try and find any of the signs of fall that are coming on? Maybe you can't go to a spa, but can you fill a bowl with warm water, maybe some fancy smelling soap and soak your feet in it for 15 minutes? Maybe make one for your child's feet or hands and see how long they can sit still. Maybe you can't lay in a hammock and read a novel in one sitting, but can you make a deal with your child? You read to them for 10 minutes, then they play quietly next to you for 10 minutes while you read. Or write. Writing is my go-to. I like to have journals or blank paper spread around the house if I ever have a quiet moment and an inspiring thought. I write it down. I scribble it and get it out frantically, and sometimes I can go back to it, and sometimes it's just lost and gone for good, but still feels good to get it out if it comes up. So whatever your self-care looks like, can you find a way to make that happen, even if it is a slightly altered or condensed version? I mean, that is the nature and the reality of this life is adapting and accepting. And that doesn't mean giving up and letting go. So to close this episode, although I do really apologize for my voice, it's, I'm sorry, (laughs) I realize it sounds rough, but to close this episode, I'm going to share another poem. And it's a short one. It's one I wrote a few years ago while sitting up with Freya early in the morning. I wasn't planning on sharing it, but, uh, I didn't even think about it with this topic that I had originally started talking about, but it seems fitting to the topic that I came around to. These episodes are very organic, in case you hadn't noticed. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you with a brief poem, and then, because it was requested, I have another writing prompt. So for those of you who like the idea of the writing prompt and got something out of it, or want to try it, um... You know, you can get your journal, get a little timer, because as I suggested before, write for at least, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes uh, is good because a lot can happen in that amount of time. And if you have to claim uh, a bellyache and lock yourself in the bathroom to do it, that's totally fine. That's that's definitely a legit move in our house. (laughs) So before I get into the poem, I just want to quickly remind you all to rate to rate and review the podcast on whatever app you listen to. Subscribe, check out the Walking with Freya page on Facebook or on Instagram. And please, if you are inspired to tell your story or if you have advice or resources to share, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com or you can go to my website, annfricky.com. A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E dot com. And there's a form, email form to fill out. Um, and you can also listen to the episodes there. Okay, so here it goes. The poem is called Mornings with Freya. 
it's the quiet mornings, when she sits across the table, coloring diligently, contentedly, our mornings warmed with periodic smiles and half-understood words, the beginning crescendo of light slowly drenching the dew-laden leaves peeking in the window, the comfortable and promising silence of a sleeping household just before rising, two companions enjoying the peace of the other spirit. I can see us there, the future quiet mornings together, when time has unraveled the life from our bones, when we have more memories than years left, my daughter and I at the table in serene silence, warm tea scenting the freshness of the day, my body weighed down by the age of years, but rising nonetheless because she will need me to. She will be with me, and I will care for her for as long as she lives, as long as I live. And if that realization at times is overwhelming, if it at all weighs heavily on shoulders squared against the challenge or gently nudges the notion of burden, I think of this, this quiet companionship. I think of these mornings. Now, for those of you who would like to get out your pen and paper, if now's the time, find a quiet corner or a busy coffee shop. Maybe, maybe you're sitting in the chair in the waiting room while your child is in therapy. Whenever the moment is good, wherever the space is good. And I want you to think maybe about this poem. This poem for me was about one of my favorite moments of the day with Freya. What is one thing you love to do most with your child? What brings you both the most pleasure, comfort, and joy? What is that moment? Can you create the scene? Describe the actions, how you both feel or talk or laugh together during this moment? How does your child let you know that he or she is happy in this moment? Is it a smile, a look, a movement of the hand? Just write this out. Write this scene of you and your child together in this really beautiful, happy moment. <laughs> 